that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! How fun indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Short Story Bingo. My name is Nate Chicago III. I just had half a stroke right there. Sorry about that. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. If it's not, the retention program is working. What I do on this podcast is I'm a glorified narrator to stories that you have heard and some that you have not. It's like Audible. Or excuse me, it's like Libro FM, sorta. <laughs> uh, already messing up, all good. The reason why I said Libro FM is because we here at Short Story Bingo have just since partnered with Libro FM uh, to offer our listeners two audiobook credits instead of just one. We'll get into that in just a second. Big shout out to Extraterrestrial Media. If you need to have a uh, film a music video, record an audio single, or get a drone shot of your business or home, consultation for a project, uh, planning out your tour, and much more, visit extratmedia.com. They have a range of services that help any of your media needs. As mentioned, we are also partnered with Libro.fm. When you make the switch, enter Story Bingo at checkout for your new membership to receive two audiobook credits instead of one. Libro.fm makes it possible for you to buy audiobooks through your local bookstore, giving you the power to keep money within your local economy, create local jobs, and make a difference in your community. We are super excited about this partnership and um, for our listeners to be able to get that, make that switch, folks uh, that I spoke with uh, have been like, oh, well, I, you know, the big A, uh, you know, Amazon um, is gobbling up small businesses. Well, this is a good, a great way uh, for you to contribute back into your community and still keep your audiobook, uh, you know, addiction alive, as it were. So Libro.fm, enter story, bingo. All right, uh, and the bookstore that I can, uh, linked with out here in Salt Lake is the King the English uh, Bookshop. They're located on 1511 South, 1500 East in Salt Lake City. Visit, visit kingsenglish.com. Okay, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. Please uh, check out our Twitter, at Gabino Grimes, and then the Instagram, at Short Story Bingo. Um, subscribe to the YouTube as mentioned hit the bell so that you're notified when the premieres are coming out which is every Friday I'm working on that because I'm uh, doing the like I'm cutting the videos and so on so I'm learning but it seems like we're in a pretty good space now Um, the top three countries doesn't look like that's changed it's still sitting at the Netherlands Russia and Canada and the top three states still sitting at Florida Texas and Idaho Shout out to the other 47 states that are still listening too. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, episode 50, is it 54 55? 55, okay, god damn. Uh, episode 54, of course, we read about the city and county building out of Haunted Salt Lake by Cassie Ashton. Uh, amazing book, we're just gonna take this off. That's done. Um, okay, so uh, today I read out of uh, Great Horror Stories. It's a compilation by Stefan. Um, I don't know how to say his last name. Zimianich. Uh, Jim Jimianowick. Something. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to be reading from Bram Stoker. Uh, a short story by him called The Squaw. And, um, of course, Bram Stoker is known for 
uh, Dracula. Um, but yeah, we're going to go into that to keep the vibe going for Halloween and keep, uh, you know, that ghastly and ghouly and, uh, you know, horror vibe going. Also, let's go ahead and mention our random Twitter follower shout out goes to at JP the Uso underscore KND shout out homie so that's it man super excited to get this uh, going short story bingo episode 55 thank you guys for all the love support shares uh, comments please um, put a comment and rate on Apple uh, on iTunes podcast and all that so episode 55 Ugh, had a lot of got I just got a lot out peace Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spirit fingers. Yes. The Squaw by Bram Stoker. I'm really excited about this. Okay. Nuremberg at the time was not so much exploited as it had been since then. Irving had not been playing Faust, and the very name of the old town was hardly known to the great bulk of the traveling public. My wife and I, being in the second week of our honeymoon, congratulations, Naturally wanted someone else to join our party. Fucking weird. So that when the cheery stranger, Elias P. Hutchison, hailing from the Isman City, Bleeding Gulch, Maple Tree County, Nebraska, turned up at the station at Frankfurt and casually remarked that he was going on to see the most all-fired old Methuselah, Methuselah, got him, got him, dude. Uh, Methuselah of a town in Europe and that he guessed that so much traveling alone was enough to send an intelligent, active citizen to melancholy ward of a daft house. We took the pretty broad hint and suggested that we should join forces. Good. We found, on comparing notes afterwards, that we had each intended to speak with some diffidence or hesitation so as not to appear too eager, such not being... Uh, such not being a good compliment to the success of our married life, but the effect was entirely marred by our both beginning to speak at the same instant. That fucking uh, 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 stopping simultaneously and then going on together again. That happens to all of us. Uh, regular converser. That's not a word. That's not a word. That's not a word. All right. Uh, straightway. Okay. Okay. Um, where are we at? This is great. All these lines are, these words are so small. Okay. Uh, what the fuck? Okay. Anyhow, no matter how it was done, and Elias P. Hutchison became one of our party. Straight away, Amelia and I found the pleasant benefit. Instead of quarreling, as we had been doing, we found that the restraining influence of a third party was such that we now took every opportunity of spooning in odd corners. Amelia declares that ever since she has, as a result of that experience, advised all her friends to take a friend on the honeymoon. Well, we did, Nuremberg, together, and much enjoyed the racy remarks of our transatlantic friend, who, from his quaint speech 
and his wonderful stock of adventures might have stepped out of a novel. That seems so weird to me that he, they took a, a third party on their honeymoon. Like, I wouldn't... I A third wheel on your honeymoon? You know? What? That's This is... What? what? Yeah, what? 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 A third, par- third party on your honeymoon, George. Uh, not... No. no. Right? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, okay. Might have stepped out of a novel. We kept for the last object of interest in the city to be visited the Berg. And on the day appointed for the visit, strolled round the outer wall of the city by the eastern side. Okay. Just taking a quick look at things. Awesome. The Berg is seated on a rock dominating the town. Do, 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 do. And an immensely deep fosse guards. And, and an immensely deep fossey. How do you, is that F-O-S-S-E? Fossey? Foss? I'm going to say foss. And an immensely deep foss guards it on the northern side. Okay. Nuremberg has, you know what? What is a fossy guard? Let's look what that is. Is that like a thing? Um. Oh. Okay. It's not a thing. Is, is just Fosse a thing? Is there a meaning for Fosse? Oh, it's a ditch or a moat. Let's see how, how it sounds. Foss. Foss. I got it. Okay. There we go. Okay. So a ditch guard, <laughs> a moat guard. He was there. All right. Uh, and an immensely deep foss guards it on the northern side. Or oh, it's not a guard. It's not an actual person. It's just a fucking moat. Okay, there we are. The burg is seated on a rock, dominating the town, and an immensely deep foss guards it on the northern side. This is my first time reading ever, so if you guys can just bear with me, that'd be super awesome. Nuremberg has been happy in that it was never sacked. Had it been, it would certainly not be so spick and span perfect as it is at present. Always been weird with that term. Uh, The ditch has not been used for centuries. And now its base is spread with tea gardens and orchards. Of which some of the trees are of quite respectable growth. As we wandered round the wall, dawdling in the hot July sunshine, we often paused to admire the views spread before us. And in a special the great plain covered with towns and villages and bounded with a blue line of hills, like a landscape of Claude Lorraine. From this, we always turned with new delight to the city itself, with its myriad of quaint old gables and anchor-wide red roofs dotted with dormer windows, tier upon tier. Really beautiful. I like that. That's a really good picture. A little to our, a little to our right, uh, rose the towers of the Berg. God, I'm, I'm just trying to move the book so that, you know, the fucking mic. Um, okay, a little to our right rose the towers of the Berg. And nearer still, standing grim, the torture tower, which was, and is, perhaps the most interesting place in the city. Yeah, with a name like Torture Tower, for sure, it's the most interesting place in the city. Hey, have you guys been to fucking Nuremberg? Yeah, yeah, I've been to Nuremberg. What... 
going to be my first time out there. And just curious, like what you think we should, um, there's this dope coffee shop downtown called coffee shop. Um, but I don't know, babe, what do you think for sure? The fucking torture tower, the torture tower is his name. The torture tower is his name. That's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to start my whole journey in Nuremberg is at the torture tower. And if I get out alive, I'm going to tell the other people to come to the torture tower. For centuries, the tradition of the Iron Virgin of Nuremberg has been handed down as an instance of the horrors of cruelty of which man is capable. We had long looked forward to seeing it, and here at last was its home. We're going to get into it now. That's dope. In one of our pauses, we leaned over the wall of the moat and looked down. The garden seemed quite 50 or 60 feet below us. This is a long way. And the sun pouring into it with an intense Moveless heat like that of an oven. Beyond rose the gray, grim wall seemingly of endless height, and losing itself right and left in the angles of bastion and counterscarp. Trees and bushes crowned the wall, and above again toward the lofty houses, on whose massive beauty time has only set the hand of approval. It's just laying out so beautifully. The sun was hot. And we were lazy. Time was our own. And we lingered, leaning on the wall, as sometimes you do when you're a 14-year-old, just got done at the breakfast club, just with your fucking jankos and, and a hoodie that's way too big. You just lean on the wall, one, one, one leg up, you know? Just those, just those lazy times on the wall. Just below us was a pretty sight. A great black cat lying stretched in the sun. Whilst round her gambled prettily a tiny black kitten. Ooh, okay. The mother would have would wave her tail for the kitten to play with it, just that. Or would raise her feet and push away the little one as an encouragement to further play. They were just at the foot of the wall, and Elias P. Hutchinson, Hutchison, in order to help the play, stooped and took from the walk a moderate-sized pebble. Uh-oh. See, he said, I will drop it near the kitten, and they will both wonder where it came from. Cats are that dumb, huh? Oh, be careful, said my wife. You might hit the dear little thing. Not me, ma'am, Elias P. Why, I'm as tender as a main cherry tree. Lord bless ye. Lord bless ye. I wouldn't hurt the poor kitty. I wouldn't hurt the poor pooty little critter more. I'd scalp a baby. And you may bet your very uh, variegated socks on that. See, I'll drop it fur away from outside so there's not... Uh, see, I'll drop it fur away on the outside so not to go near. Thus saying, he leaned over and held his arm out at full length and dropped the stone. It may be that there is some attractive force which draws lesser matters to greater, or more probably that the wall was not plumb, but sloped to its base, we not noticing the inclination from above. But the stone fell with a sickening thud that came up to us through the hot air. Oh my God, right on the kitten's head. And shattered out its little brains then and there. Yeah, dude, that's where we're going. Woo! Oh, shattered out its little brains, dead and there. What? Wow. How the fuck am I funny? What the? 
Oh, man. That is crazy. Holy Jesus. Okay. What is that? Uh, the black cap. Okay. It may be some attractive force. Okay. Sash out this little brains in and there. The black cap cast a swift upward glance. And we saw our eyes like green fire fixed an instant on Elias P. Hutchison. And then her attention was given to the kitten. Which lay still with just a quiver of her tiny limbs. Whilst a thin red stream trickled from a gaping wound. With a muffled cry, such as a human being might give, she bent over the kitten, licking its wound and moaning. Suddenly she seemed to realize that it was dead, and again threw her eyes up at us. I shall never forget the sight, for she looked the perfect incarnation of hate. Her green eyes blazed with lurid fear, and the white Sharp teeth seemed to almost shine through the blood which dabbled her mouth and whiskers. She gnashed her teeth, and her claws stood out stark and at full length on every paw. Then she made a wild rush up the wall as if to reach us, but when the momentum ended, fell back, and further added to her horrible appearance, for she fell on the kitten and rose with her black fur smeared with its brains and blood. Amelia turned quite faint, and I had to lift her back from the wall. There was a seat close by in shade of a spreading plane tree. Okay, let's get her there, because she's about to fucking faint. And here I placed her while she composed herself. Then I went back to Hutchison, who stood without moving, looking down on the angry cat below. As I joined him, he said, Well, I guess that air the savage beast I ever seen, except once when an Apache squaw had an edge on a half-breed, what they nicknamed Splinters because of the way he fixed up her papoose, which he stole on a raid, just to show that he appreciated the way they had given his mother the fire torture. She got that kinder, she got that kinder look so set on her face that it just seemed to grow there. She followed Splinters more in three years till, at last the Braves got him and handed him over to her. They did say that no man, white or Injun, had ever been so long a dying under the tortures of the Apaches. The only time I ever see her smile was when I wiped her out. I came on the camp just in time to see Splinters pass in his cheeks. And he wasn't sorry to go either. He was a hard citizen, and though I could never shake with him after that papoose business, for it was bitter bad, and he should have been a white man, for he looked like one. I see he got paid out in full me, but I took a piece of his hide from his skin and posts and had it made into a pocketbook. It's here now. And he slapped the breast pocket of his coat. It's right fucking here. They took this hide out. This is going to go that route a little bit. So it's Bram Stoker, you know. This was, when was this wrote? Let's just take a look. I, because after hearing that, you know, uh, let's see. Didn't, 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 didn't. Uh, 1914. All right. So that's kind of an idea of what we're looking at. Okay. Okay. And he slapped the breast pocket of his coat. Whilst he was speaking, the cat was continuing her frantic efforts to get up the wall. They're just like talking and this cat's freaking out. Just the, her kitten, her child just died. 
from a stone pebble that he didn't think was going to hit the cat. The cat doesn't know that. The cat just, oh my God, the cat's pissed off as fuck. Oh shit, dude, did you guys see that um, video of the, um, the was it a mountain lion or something or a cougar? Out in, did you see that, George? Yeah, and the the dude that was walking the trail in uh, in said canyon, if you haven't seen it, um, the guy is walking on a trail here in Utah, and walking a trail here in Utah, and he comes across I think they're mountain lion kittens, and he passes them, but the mom the you know mom cat um, comes out and notices him and like rushes him, and so it's this six minute video of him. Um, warding off the cat and it's intense it's just crazy intense so i can imagine that this cat's like freaking the fuck out any and if you see like videos of bears that are protecting their um young or elephant i mean anyone protecting their young humans i mean you know anyone protecting their young it's not you know it's not a good sight you you know people often say um often you know if somebody were to touch their kid or some shit you know god forbid you know but like the next words generally coming out is like, I'd be going to jail, you know? Anyway, so this cat's pissed off, so let's find out what happens. While he was speaking, the cat was continuing her frantic efforts to get up the wall. She would take a run back and then charge up, sometimes reaching an incredible height. She did not seem to mind the heavy fall which she got each time, but started with renewed vigor. And at every tumble, her appearance became more horrible. Hutchison was a kind-hearted man, my wife and I had both noticed little acts of kindness to animals as well as to persons. And he seemed concerned at the state of the fury to which the cat had wrought herself. Well, now, he said, I do declare that the poor critter seems quite desperate. There, there, I say, poor thing. It was all an accident. Though that won't bring, you up ba bring back your little one to you. Say, I would have had such a thing happen for a thousand. Just shows what a clumsy fool of a man can do when he tries to play. Seems I'm too darn slipper-handed to even play with a cat. Say, Colonel, it was a it was a pleasant way. It, say, Colonel, it was a pleasant way he had to bestow titles freely. I hope your wife don't hold no grudge against me on account of this unpleasantness. Why, I wouldn't have it had to occur on no account. He came over to Amelia and apologized profusely, and she, with her usual kindness of heart, hastened to assure him that she was quite understood that it was an accident. Then we all went again to the wall and looked over. The cat, missing Hutchison's face, had drawn back across the moat and was sitting on her haunches as though ready to spring. Indeed, the very instant she saw him, she did spring, and with a blind, unreasoning fury, which would have been grotesque, only that it was so frightfully real, she did not try to run up the wall, but simply launched herself at him as though hate and fury could lend her wings to pass straight through the great distance between them. Amelia, woman-like, got quite concerned and said no, Elias P. in a warning voice. Said to Elias P. in a warning voice. Oh, you must be careful. That animal would try to kill you if she were here. Her eyes look like positive murder. He laughed out joyfully. Excuse me, ma'am, he said, but I can't help laughing. Fancy a man that has fought grizzlies and engines being careful of being murdered by a cat. When the cat heard him laugh, 
<laughs> oh, shit. When the cat heard him laugh, he got even more pissed. Okay. When the cat heard him laugh, her whole demeanor seemed to change. She no longer tried to jump or run up the wall, but went quietly over and sitting again beside the dead kitten, began to lick and fondle it as though it were alive. Oh, this is getting dark very quick. That cat's pissed off and is going to do some damage. See, said I, the effect of a really strong man. Even that animal in the midst of her fury recognizes the voice of a master and bows to him. Taunting the cat now? Like a squaw was the only comment of Elias P. Hutchison. As we moved on our way around the city foss, every now and then we looked over the wall and each time saw the cat following us. At first she had kept going back to the dead kitten, and then as the distance grew greater, took it in her mouth and so followed. After a while, however, she abandoned this, for we saw her following all alone. She had evidently hidden the body somewhere. Amelia's alarm grew at the cat's persistence, and more than once she repeated her warning. But the American always laughed with amusement, till finally seeing that she was beginning to be worried, he said, I say, man, you need to be scared over that cat. I go healed it. I go healed, I do. I do. Here he slapped his pistol pocket at the back of his lumbar, lumbar region, just right, right here. If you don't know what a lumbar is, if you're watching, um, why sooner, uh, why sooner, uh, why sooner have you worried? I'll shoot the critter right here and risk the police interfering with us, with a citizen of the United States for carrying arms, contrary to regulations. As he spoke, he looked over the wall, but the cat on seeing him retreated with a growl into a bed of tall flowers and was hidden. He went on. Blessed if that are blessed if that critter ain't got more sense of what's good for her than most Christians. I I guess we've seen the last of her. You bet, you bet she'll go back now to that busted kitten and have a private funeral of it all to herself. He sounds he he was just described as being like a like dude that has like compassion for humanity, but it's quickly becoming more like a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he could, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, well, fuck the kid, and he'll just go back and take care of his shit. But the guy, he's like, well, Elias seemed like a, a kind hearted man, and uh, took it doesn't sound too kind hearted to me. It sounds like, I, I, but also sounds like an early 1900s dude or something. I don't know. That stereo, I don't, it's not a stereotype, but like, just a different way of thinking. Maybe just like, ah, well, fucking the cat, take care of it. Amelia did not like to say more, lest he might, in mistake, kindness to her. Okay, Amelia did not like to say more, lest he might, in, mis in mistaken kindness to her, fulfill his threat of shooting the cat. And so we went on and crossed that little wooden bridge leading to the gateway, whence ran the steep paved roadway between the Berg and the Pentagonal Torture Tower. As we crossed the bridge, we saw the cat again, down below us, when she saw us, her fury seemed to return, and she made frantic efforts to get up the steep wall. Hutchison laughed as he looked down at her and said, Goodbye, old girl. Sorry I injured your feelings, but you'll get over it in time. So long. And then we passed through the long, dim archway and came to the gate of the burg. When we came out again, after our survey of this most beautiful place, 
which not even the well-intentioned efforts of the Gothic restorers of 40 years ago have been able to spoil, though their restoration was then glaring white, we seem to have quite forgotten the unpleasant episode of the morning. The old lime tree with its great trunk gnarled with the passing of nearly nine centuries. I love that when like gnarled, but you can, I can picture it, you know, on the tree with the passing of nearly nine centuries, the deep well cut through the heart of the rock by those captives of old and the lovely view from the city wall whence we heard spread over almost a full quarter of an hour. The multitudinous chimes of the city had all helped to wipe out from our minds the incident, incident of the slain kitten. So, I mean, they're taking in the thing. They're like, okay, well, you know, trying to put it past them, thinking that the cat has went about its business. Uh, obviously, how the story is going, I don't know that the cat is entirely done with this trio on a couple's honeymoon. We were the only visitors who had entered the torture tower that morning. So, at least, said the old... Um, okay, we were the only visitors who had entered the torture tower that morning. So, at least, said the old custodian. And as we had the place all to ourselves, we're able to make a minute and more satisfactory survey than would have otherwise been possible. The custodian, looking to us as the sole source of his gains for the day, was willing to meet our wishes in any way. The torture tower is truly a grim place. Even now, when many of thousands of visitors have sent a stream of life and the joy that follows life into the place. But at the time I mention it, I, but the, at the time I mention, it wore its grimmest and most gruesome aspect. The dust of ages seemed to have settled on in it. And the darkness and the horror of its memory seemed to have become sent sentient in a way that would have satisfied the pantheistic souls of Philo or Spinoza. The lower chamber where we entered was seemingly in its normal state, filled with incarnate darkness. Even the hot sunlight streaming in through the door seemed to be lost in the vast thickness of the walls and only showed the masonry, masonry rough as when the builder's scaffolding had come down, but coated with dust and marked here and there with patches of dark stain, which, if walls could speak, could have given their own dread memories of fear and pain. We were glad to pass up the dusty wooden staircase. The custodian leaving the outer door open to light, light us somewhat on our way. For to our eyes... The long, the one long wicked, evil smelling candle, evil smelling candle. What is it? Fucking, what's the scent on that? You know, uh, evil smelling candle stuck in a sconce on the wall gave an inadequate light. I mean, it's a candle, you know. You get what you get with a candle. When we came up through the open trap in the corner of the chamber overhead, Amelia held on to me so tightly that I could actually feel her heartbeat. I must say. For my own part, that I was not surprised at her fear. For this room was even more gruesome than that below. Here, there was certainly more light, but only just sufficient to realize the horrible surroundings of the place. The builders of the tower had evidently intended that only they who should gain the top should have any of the joys of light and prospect. There, 
as we had noticed from below, were ranges of wisdom, uh, were ranges of windows, albeit of medieval smallness. But elsewhere in the tower were only a very few narrow slits, such as were habitual in places of medieval defense. Okay. A few of these only a few of these only lit the chamber, and these so high up in the wall that from no part could the sky be seen through the thickness of the wall. In racks and leaning in disorder against the walls were a number of headsmen's swords, great double-handed weapons with broad blade and keen edge. Hard by were several blocks whereon the necks of the victims had lain, with here and there deep notches where the steel had bitten through the guard of flesh and shored into the wood. This is great, great, great pictures in my fucking head right now round the chamber placed in all sorts of irregular ways were many implements of torture which made one one which made one's heart ache to see chairs full of spikes which gave instant and excruciating pain chairs and couches with dull knobs whose torture was seemingly less but which though slower were equally efficacious Racks, belts, boots, gloves, collars, all made for compressing at will. Ugh! Steel baskets in which the head could be slowly crushed into a pulp if necessary. Watchman's hooks with long handle and knife that cut at resistance. This is a specialty of the old. Uh, of the old Nuremberg police system. And many, many other devices for man's injury to uh, of man's injury to man isn't it crazy to think about how many different types of devices that we utilize in order to subdue um you know another uh entity it's it's wild to me um uh, the tort like going through all the tortures and things of that nature uh what what is even done you know i i'm thinking of like waterboarding even and how uh <laughs> The you know they use the facious. I mean it's effective, but you know what? It's a. I mean torturing anyone can become effective pretty fucking quick. You know, it's just it, you know it's ingenuity uh, at its grimmest. I suppose it's still ingenuity though, because it's different. You know, different creative ways to do said lane that you're trying to um, expose. Uh, okay. Amelia grew quite pale with the horror of the things, but fortunately did not faint. Thank God for being a little overcome. She sat down on a torture chair, uh, but jumped up again with a shriek, all tendency to fate gone. <laughs> we both pretended that it was the injury done to her hair, uh, to her dress by the dust of the chair and the rusty spikes would have upset her. And Mr. Hutchison acquiesced in accepting the explanation with a kind hearted laugh. Just sits in the chair on accident. I just need to take a seat. What the fuck? Look at your surroundings and, you know, figure it out. But the central object in the whole of this chamber of horrors was the engine known as the Iron Virgin, which stood near the center of the room. It was a rudely shaped figure of a woman. Something of the bell, bell order, or to make a closer comparison, of the figure of Mrs. Noah in the children's ark. But without that slimness of waist and perfect rounder uh, 
of hip, which marks the aesthetic type of the Noah family. Okay, I think we might be going down another road. Welcome to 1914. <laughs> One would hardly have recognized it as intended for a human figure at all, had not the founder shaped on the forehead a rude semblance of a woman's face. Jesus. This machine was coated with rust without and covered with dust. A rope was fastened to a ring in front of the figure. A rope was fastened to a ring in front of the figure. A rope was fastened to a ring. A rope was fastened to a ring in front of the figure. Okay. Oh, like probably like on the ground. I don't know why that took so hard for me to fucking. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. About where the waist should have been. And was drawn through a pulley. Okay. Fastened on the wooden pillar which sustained the flooring above. The custodian pulling this rope showed that a section of the front was hinged like a door at one side. We then saw that the engine was of considerable thickness, leaving just room enough inside for a man to be placed. Just enough room, which means that you're going to get squished or some shit. The door was of equal thickness and of great weight, for it took the custodian all his strength, aided though by aided though he was by the contrivance of contrivance. The door was of equal thickness and of great weight. Hold on, I need to I I need to re I need to re see this in my head because I know that I didn't read that correctly. Uh, okay, this machine was coated with rust. Oh, this this machine was coated with rust without and covered with dust. A rope was fastened to a ring in front of the figure about where the waist should have been and was drawn through a pulley fastened on the wooden pillar which sustained the flooring above. Okay, so up top. All right. The custodian pulling this rope showed that a section of the front was hinged like a door at one side. So if he pulled it, then it hinged up. Okay. All right. Are you, did you have to take a second to get that too? Okay. We then saw that the engine was of considerable thickness. Okay. Leaving just room, leaving just room enough inside for a man to be placed. The door was of equal thickness and of great weight. So just pulled it like enough to like squiggle in. Okay. Aided though, he was by the contrivance of the pulley to open it. This weight was partly due to the fact that the door was of manifest purpose, hung so as to throw its weight downwards so that it might shut off its own accord when the strain was released. The inside was honeycombed with rust, nay more. The rust alone that comes through time would hardly have eaten so deep into the iron walls. The rust of the cruel stains was deep indeed. It was only, however, when we came to look at the inside of the door that the diabolical intention was manifest to the full. Okay. Here were several long spikes, square and massive, broad at the base and sharp at the points placed in such a position that when the door should close, the upper ones would pierce the eyes of the victim and the lower ones, his heart and vitals. Damn. Okay. Now I see it. So you open it up, comes up, you stand in it and it comes down and then takes out your eyes. And then right here in the chest. The sight was too much for poor Amelia, and this time she fainted dead off, and I had to carry her down the stairs and place her on a bench outside till she recovered. Sounds like Amelia should not have gone to the torture tower. 
That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like Amelia, and it's okay that Amelia should not have gone to the torture tower. Amelia just can't handle shit like that. Sometimes you don't take friends to other places that they sh- or or sometimes you don't go on a honeymoon with a third person. But you know, we'll go into that at another time. But for sure, Amelia should not have been there. I have taken a friend to our local amusement park here in Salt in Utah called Lagoon, and I forced them to get on what's called the um, samurai. And on this ride, you are tumbled about as you are thwarted in the air um, upwards of 50 to 60 feet and tumbled around. It's just fucking I'm sure this ride is fucking everywhere. Anyway, didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. He's I asked him why. He said, I have motion sickness. I said, fuck it. Come on. Well, the whole row got a lot of what he ate that morning, that afternoon and probably what he would eat in 2028. I feel bad for that. I should not have did that. This guy should feel bad for taking his wife out to the torture chamber tower because he knew that Amelia wasn't going to be able to fucking take it and also should not have brought on Elias P. Hutchison onto their fucking honeymoon because now three's a company. There we go. All right. I'm proud of myself for that one. (laughs) All right. Okay. So when we got back into the chamber, um, yeah, okay, the site was too much for poor Amelia. Okay, so that, um, okay, they placed her on a bench outside till she recovered. That she felt it to the quick was afterwards shown by the fact that my eldest son bears to this day a rude birthmark on his breast, which has, by family consent, been accepted as representing the Nuremberg Virgin. So maybe she was, like, touched by it, you know? And then so, like, his kid... Got it later. When we got back to the chamber, we found Hutchison still opposite the Iron Virgin. He had been evidently philosophizing and now gave us the benefit of his thought in the shape of a sort of exordium. Well, I guess I've been learning something here. While Madam has been getting over her faint, appears to me that we're a long way behind the times on our side of the big drink. We used to think, we used to think out on the plains that the engine could give us points in trying to make a man uncomfortable. But I guess your old medieval law and order party could raise him every time. Splinters was pretty good in his bluff on the squad, but this here young miss held a straight flush all high on him. The points on them spikes are sharp enough still, though even the edges are eaten out by what used to be on them. It'd be a good thing for our Indian section to get some specimens here, play toy to send uh, of this here play toy to send round to the reservation just to knock the stuffing out of the bucks and the squaws too by showing them as how civilization lays over them at their best guess but i'll get in that box a minute just to see how it feels yeah dude go ahead go in it because you talk like that and you're fucking weird and you killed a cat so go ahead take a step in it man elias also and I'm talking for the husband now. I'm over the threes company thing, you know? Let's just have our regular ass honeymoon. Oh, no, no, said Amelia. It's too terrible. Guess, ma'am, nothing's too terrible to the explorer, mine. I've been in some queer places in my time. 
Spend a night inside a dead horse while a god damn. Spend a night inside a dead horse while a prairie fire swept over me in the Montana territory. So specific. And another time slept inside a dead buffler when the Comanches was on you just sleep in dead caucuses way too Did I just say caucuses, by the way? I said caucuses and I didn't mean to say that. He just sleeps in dead carcasses. Okay, and another time slept in a dead buffler when the Comanches was on the warpath. I didn't care to leave my uh, yard on him. I've been two days in a caved-in tunnel in the Billy Broncho gold mine in New Mexico and was one of the four shut up for three parts of the day in the case on what slid, uh, in the case, um, in the case one slid over on her side when he was setting the foundations of the Buffalo Bridge. I'm not funked an odd experience yet and don't propose to begin now. We saw that he was set on the experiment. So I said, well, I can hurry up, old man, and get through it quick. All right, General, said he. But I calculate, and I didn't think he was going to say calculate right there, especially with how he's talking. Didn't know that was in his vocab. All right, General, he said. But I calculate we ain't quite ready yet. The gentlemen, my predecessors, was stood in that there carnival didn't volunteer for the office, not much. And I guess there was some ornamental tying up before the big stroke was made. I want to go inside into this thing fair and square, so I must get fixed up proper first. I dare say this old galoot can ride some string and tie me up according to the sample. Dude, he, George is over here laughing because he knows he's like, dude, what do you do? Like, I, if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it just like everyone else that was tortured. I, you know what? I've slept in a dead buffalo. I've slept in a, a dead horse. I've slept in a fucking, um, uh, uh, I've slept in a cave with dead bats, and I've done a lot of other shit. So let me do this. This was said interrogatively to the old custodian, but the latter, who understood the drift of his speech, though perhaps not appreciating to the full the niceties of dialect and imagery, shook his head. His protest was, however, only formal and made to be overcome. He's like, no, man, I'm not going to tie you up and put you in the fucking thing. The American thrust a gold piece into his hand. Ooh, money takes everything. Takes care of it. Uh, thrust a gold piece into his hand, saying... Take it, pard. It's your pot, and don't be don't be scared. This ain't no necktie party that you're asked to assist in. He produced some thin frayed rope and proceeded to bind our companion with sufficient strictness for the purpose. When the upper part of his body was bound, Hutchinson said, Hold on a moment, Judge. Guess I'm too heavy for you to tote into the canister. You just let me walk in. Okay, dude. And then you can wash up, wash up regarding my legs. All right. While speaking, he backed himself into the opening, which was just enough to him, to hold him. It was a close fit and no mistake. Amelia looked on with fear in her eyes, but she evidently did not like to say anything. Then the custodian completed his task by tying the American's feet together so that he was now absolutely helpless and fixed in his voluntary position. He seemed to really enjoy it. And the incipient smile, which was habitual to his face, blossomed into actuality as he said, Guess this here Eve was made out of the rib of a dwarf. There ain't much room for a full-grown citizen of the United States to hustle. We us to, uh, to make our coffins more roomier in Idaho, uh, Idaho territory. 
Now, Judge, you just begin to let this door down slow onto me. I want to feel the same pleasure as the other Jays had when those spikes began to move toward their eyes. <laughs> okay. Oh, he said Jays. Did you guys know that jaywalking? Um, Jays was a a term used to describe like, um, I don't know. It could be like punks, I guess. Um, but that's what jaywalking came from. The term J is like, you're a punk type of thing. Just so that you know. Oh, no, no, no. Broke in Amelia hysterically. It's too terrible. I can't bear to see it. I can't. I can't. You can't bear to see it a lot, Amelia. But the American was uh, um, obdurate. Say, Colonel, he said he. Why not take Madame for a little promenade? I wouldn't hurt her feelings for the world, but now that I'm here, having come, having come 8,000 miles, wouldn't it be too hard to give up the very experience of being pinned in panted fur? A man can get to feel like canned goods every time. A man can't get to feel like canned goods every time. Me and the judge here will fix up this thing in no time, and then you'll come back and we'll all laugh together. Once more, the resolution that is born of curiosity triumphed, and Amelia stayed, holding tight to my arm and shivering whilst the custodian began to, shack, uh, began to slacken slowly, inch by inch, the rope that held back the iron door. Hutchison's face was positively radiant as his eyes followed the first movement of the, sp uh, the spikes. So he's just, it's coming down. It's coming down. Well, he said, well, I said, he said, I guess I have not had enjoyment like this since I left New York. Bar a scrap with a French sailor at Wapping, and that weren't much of a picnic neither. I've not had a show for real pleasure in this uh, rotten continent where there ain't no bars no, or, nor no engines and where nary man, uh, nary man goes healed. Slow there, Judge. Don't you rush this business. I want a show for my money this game. I do. The custodian must have had in him some of the blood of his predecessors in that ghastly tower. For he worked the engine with a deliberate and excruciating slowness after five minutes. In which the outer edge of the door had not moved half as many inches. Began to overcome Amelia. I saw her lips whiten and felt her hold upon my arm relax. I looked around an instant for a place where on the layer. And when I looked at her again, found that her eye had become fixed on the side of the virgin. Following its direction, I saw the black cat crouching out of her sight. Her green eyes shone like danger lamps in the gloom of the place. And their color was heightened by the blood which still smeared her coat and reddened her mouth. I cried out, the cat, look out for the cat. For even then she sprang out before the engine. At this moment, she looked like a triumphant demon. Her eyes blazed with ferocity. Her hair bristled out till she seemed twice her normal size. And her tail lashed about as does a tiger's when the quarry is before it. Elias P. Hutchison, when he saw her, was amused. And his eyes positively sparkled with fun, as he said. Darned if the squaw ain't got on her with, uh, got, uh, Darned if the squaw ain't got on her war paint. Just give her a shove if she comes any of her tricks on me. For I'm so fixed everlastingly by the boss that during my skin, if I can keep my eyes from her if she wants them. 
Easy there, Judge. Don't you slack that uh that a rope or I'm um or I'm or I'm ac- this is a I, or I'm oh I'm assured. God damn it. Don't you slack that that their rope or I'm assured. At this moment, Amelia completed her faint. Fucking saw the cat okay. And I had to clutch hold of her around the waist or she would have fallen to the floor. Whilst attending to her, I saw the black cat crouching for a spring and jumped up to turn the creature out. But at this instant, with a sort of hellish scream, she hurled herself. Not as we expected at Hutchison, but straight at the face of the custodian. Her claws seemed to be tearing wildly as one sees, as one sees in the Chinese drawings of the dragon rampant. And as I looked, I saw one of them light on the poor man's eyes. And actually tear, tear through it and down his cheek, leaving a wide band of red where the blood seemed to spurt from every vein. With a yell of sheer terror, which came quicker than even his sense of pain, the man leaped back, dropping as he did. You ready for this? With a yell of sheer terror, which came quicker than his even than even his sense of pain, the man leaped back, dropping as he did so the rope which held back the iron door. I jumped for it, but was too late, for the cord ran like lightning through the pulley block, and the heavy mass fell forward from its own weight. As the door closed, I caught a glimpse of of our poor companion's face. Uh, He seemed frozen with terror. His eyes started. His eyes stared with a horrible anguish as if dazed, and no sound came from his lips. And then the spikes did their work. Happily, the end was quick, for when I wrenched open the, when I wrenched open the door, they had pierced so deep that they had locked in the bones of the skull through which they had crushed, and actually tore him, it, out of his iron prison till, bound as he was, he fell at full length with a sickly thud upon the floor, the face turning upward as he fell. So the cat, well, we'll get to that. I rushed to my wife, lifted her up and carried her out to not make her die this time because she's fucking fainting and everything because to see a dead dude. I lifted her up and carried her out for I feared that her very reason if she would wake from her faint to such a scene. I laid her on the bench outside and ran back. Leaning against the wooden column was a custodian moaning in pain whilst he held his reddening handkerchief to his eyes. And sitting on the head of the poor American was the cat, purring loudly as she licked the blood which trickled through the gashed socket of his eyes. I think no one will call me cruel because I seized one of the old executioner's swords and shore it in too as she sat. Damn. And that is that. That is a squaw by uh, Bram Stoker, um, which essentially sounds like a tale of a couple who took a companion with them uh, who they just met and were taking a tour in a city and came across a torture tower. Uh, their companion was saw they they saw a cat with their kitten who had just been chilling on a regular ass gloom you know regular ass day uh the pebble was 
dropped. Uh, they want he wanted it to get like close enough to the cat to probably just stir it, um, but ended up killing the kitten because it was about sixty feet up. So that little pebble, because of inertia and gravity, um, killed the kitten, splattering its brains, as it said in the book or the story. After that, they go on to a tour inside of the actual torture tower and um, go through the go through various floors, um, taking note of the memories that have instilled themselves into the walls and come to a um, torture um, device that's uh, in the essentially like in the in the uh, framework of a, of a person. And, um, in this case it's a, uh, they call it the virgin. So it's in a, you know, uh, a woman's likeness. Um, and in that it's opened. Uh, so like vertically it's opened, it's picked up through a pulley. Anyway, the companion gets inside of it and the cat comes back and attacks the guard that's holding onto the rope and so the guard lets go the lets go the rope that he's just like letting down you know so that the guy can have like a his own experience in it and then fucking smashes on him and kills him so and then the cat fucking licks the dude's blood afterwards so you know exacting revenge wow bram stoker that was um that was crazy man that was crazy Oh man. Um, anyway, short story bingo episode 55. Hope you guys are having a great October. Uh, I want to give a, a shout out again to our sponsors, extra T media, go follow at extra T media on Twitter and, um, at George life as well. And then of course, um, go, go to libro.fm. And when you switch over using code story bingo, you get two free audiobook credits instead of one. Um, and then again, of course, um, make sure that, uh, as you're, you know, going through, um, the page on Instagram, please like, uh, share with your friends that this guy is doing some stories and having some fun with it. Um, certainly greatly appreciate it. We put a lot of work on our end to bring this content and material to you. So all the help and, um, you know, as we build the brand is certainly, uh, appreciated. Um, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and yeah, hit the bell. And yeah, we're, that's it. Episode 55, right? That's what I said? Yeah, episode 55, The Squaw by Bram Stoker, who also brought you Dracula, but this one's not about Dracula. Anyway, shortstorybingo at gmail.com if you have other stories from not from Bram Stoker um, or from Bram Stoker. That's fine. But someone from 2014 would be cool too, not from 1914. Anyway, episode 55, uh, Nate Chacon Third, Short Story Bingo, and I'm out. Dun, dun, dun. Spare fingers. Yes.